Jesus shall reign in this life because of this abundance of grace, because of this intimate fellowship, because of this right standing, and because of this purity and this innocence by which you can stand before a holy God and function from that place. How much more shall you reign as a king in this world, in this life, by virtue of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done? What has the Lord Jesus Christ done? He has sacrificed himself. Hallelujah. Say, I got this. Hallelujah. It is called grace. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I love this. And the reality of the fact that this, you, you see, you can go through all kinds of struggle with your prayer life, not recognizing that that which you are struggling about, you already have. Oh, I mean, think about that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, you are blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, let me ask you something. Don't you believe an intimate prayer life is, is, is a blessing? Is it not? Is it a grace? Well, if it is a blessing and you're blessed and you are already blessed with every spiritual blessing, then it means that you must have this intimate prayer life already. Say, I got it. It is in your spirit. You see, when you recognize you already got it, then it is only a matter of working it out. Amen? Say, I got it. Galatians chapter 4 verse Verse 6 puts it away. It says, because you are sons. Are you a son? Are you a child of God? Because you are a child of God. Because you are a son of God. Guess what? God has sent forth the very spirit of his son. Who is, who is this, the spirit of his son? Who is his son? Jesus, he has sent forth the very spirit of Christ living on the inside of you, crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. Oh, that is prayer. That is fellowship. That is that realm. You know, the scripture says in Genesis chapter 4, uh, where, how that just after, after Seth gave birth to, to Enos, and from that time, men begin to call on the name of the Lord. And the scripture took time to mention that. Why? Because it was so important to God that people were now calling upon him. Now here you and I are born with that capacity. Here you and I are born with that grace to satisfy the heart of God in that which he has always desired for you and I to have this intimate fellowship with him. Oh, this place of prayer. Say, I got it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God forevermore. However... To function in this communion realm of prayer, it is not automatic. It is not automatic. There is opposition. There are hindrances. Hindrances that come from the devil. Hindrances that come from your flesh. Hindrances that come from the world. Hindrances that come to, that come to upset and distract you and not have you function in this realm of prayer. Hindrances that will come even from the environment. The circumstances. How many times have you desired to be in that communion realm of prayer and there are distractions? How many times do you have to not deal with, with, with a sense of weariness and tiredness and sleepiness and hunger and all kinds of stuff? All kinds of little things, big things and little things are there to do what? Distract you, hinder you from functioning in this arena. But yet this is the very place to which you belong. This is the very place that the Lord says, this is the new and living way that I have consecrated for you to dwell in, to live in, in this place. Hallelujah. This is the way. This is the place. Ha, ha, ha. So, there are, there are hindrances. You know, in my own life, uh, uh, in my own life, this area of prayer has been, had been a struggle for me for many years. 
But then I got breakthrough, and I'll tell you where my breakthrough came from. My breakthrough came, first of all, when I recognized that Jesus himself is my prayer life. Stop looking at yourself. See him. He is my prayer life. Christ is in you. What is he in you for? Why is he in you? He is in you to live his life through you. Do you think he has a prayer life? Well, if he, I mean, okay, we can accept the fact that Christ is made unto us wisdom. We can accept the fact that even that Christ is, on, is made unto us the righteousness of God. Well, every, we can even accept that the Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Well, the Lord is, and you can fill in the blank. God said to Abraham, Abraham says, God said to Moses, Moses says, God, who shall I say send me? God says, I am. Just tell him I am. Mean, what does I am mean? It means I am whatever you need me to be. Well, so is Christ in you. He is the hope of glory. Christ is your healing. Christ is your health. Christ is your wisdom. Christ is your strength. Christ is your sanctification. Christ is the grace of God to you. Christ is the enablement. Christ is the power. Christ is the provision. Christ is your very prayer life. And when I came to that realization that Christ himself is my prayer life, that is when the breakthrough came. Also, the breakthrough came when I learned how to overcome the various hindrances. When I learned to consciously, intentionally, on purpose, overcome those, those, those hostile and sometimes subtle hindrances to this intimate prayer realm that God has paid a price by the death and the blood of his son for you and I to live in. Amen? Now, today, that's what we're going to be talking about, overcoming these hindrances, whether they be hostile and loud and obvious or whether they be subtle. Amen? So really, if you think about it, what is the answer? Where is the breakthrough? On the one hand, it is that Christ himself is my prayer life. And on the other hand, it's resist the hindrances. That sounds to me like James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, I put it this way. Submit to Christ in you. Submit to and acknowledge that Christ in you is your prayer life. And resist the hindrances. Resist the hindrances. Resist the hindrances from the knowledge of God and revelation and resist the hindrances by the application of the truth and resist the hindrances by the power of the Holy Ghost. Say, I could do this. After all, I got, after all, you got it. You've got this prayer life. I mean, can you imagine if the body of Christ wakes up to the real, I mean, no longer slumbering and sleeping, but come to, a, to a, 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 an awakening reality that I have Christ himself and he is in me so that the prayer call on my life can be fulfilled. Can you imagine the whole body of Christ raising up and uh, coming into that reality? shakalaba. Hey, I'm telling you, that made God happy. <laughs> I'm telling you, that will make the devil sad. <laughs> And, oh, man, this thing will come to an end real quick. Glory to God. Sad, sad mad, <laughs> frustrated. Men are always to pray and not faint. Say, I live here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, all right, then. So, in today's teaching, for the rest of this teaching, I believe, 
We're going to address as many of these hindrances as I can. Amen? Overcoming these prayer hindrances. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says, Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What does that mean? Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That means confidence. That means not having any hindrances, not having any qualms. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With this confidence. So what we want, what we want to do is we want to remove hindrances, anxiety, worry, fears, cares, oppression, depression, frustration, um, um, condemnation, negative environment, stress, conflicts, sin consciousness, self-consciousness, self-righteousness, distractions, unholy agreements, fear of men. What, just remove everything. Amen? So that what? So that we can be in this place. This place of the full assurance of faith. This place of confidence, a confident consciousness of your communion fellowship with God Almighty, creator of the universe. Hallelujah. So let's go, all right? So first of all, I'm going to address a few things, um, which is basically that, that, that overcoming the anxiety, the cares, the fears, the hindrances, the, 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 the works and situations and family. And family could get in the way sometimes, you know that? <laughs> Right? <laughs> All of these things. Any hindrance. Say any hindrance. <laughs> what is that song? Something, something, something. To our God. Every word of worship. I don't know what that has to do with this, but that is, is bubbling up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So, number one. I call these prayer, um, Prayer, committal prayers, committal prayers to get rid of the cares, the fears, and so on. Now, I talked about this in the first part of this a few weeks back, Overcoming Hindrances, Part 1. So let me go through this part quickly, the details of it. You could go back and, and check it out. But anyway, now, um, committal prayers. One pre committal prayer comes from 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, Casting all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. All right? Jesus says, don't be anxious for anything. Don't take any anxious thought saying. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, stay in that communion realm of prayer and let the peace of God rule your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Let the peace of God rise up that passes all understanding. Let it rise up like a garrison of soldiers and protect your mind in the midst of a turbulent environment. Hallelujah. Do you know you can live that way? Do you know that in the midst of the storm, you can have the peace of God. Amen. Because a storm might be raging, but Jesus is sleeping in the boat. <laughs> Amen. Jesus said Jesus is in the boat. Amen. <laughs> and if he, <laughs> and as he is, so are you in this world. So if he's not anxious, why should you be? <laughs> anyway, come on, don't, 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 don't rabbit trail too much. Get back over here. So, first of all, so casting all your cares upon him. Cast them. Don't keep them. Give them to him. Number, number, second aspect of committal prayers. Psalms 55, verse 22. Commit your burdens upon the Lord. Burdens. Those things that want to weigh you down. And he will sustain you. He will never allow. He will not suffer the righteous to be moved. 
Psalms 125 verse 1 says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abide it forever. Hallelujah. Do you remember um, when there was these, remember the wars in Afghanistan? Remember when they were trying to find the terrorists and they were bombing and they were trying to bomb caves and everything else? You know something? Those mountains are still standing. They haven't moved, have they? Despite all the bombing, those born, well, so, so is the Lord wronged about those that will trust of him. The devil might bomb all he wants, but you shall not be moved. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Say, I shall not be moved. Why? Because you're casting your burdens on the Lord. You're giving it to him. Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Who have I set before me? The Lord. The circumstances, no. The Lord. The environment, no. I've set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then there is um, Psalms 37 verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass. There are things in your life. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? What's going to happen next? What, 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 what's done? Trust the Lord. Trust your way to him. We'll work. What about this job? How am I going to finish this? Well, Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he will even cause your thoughts to be established. I mean, like, how good is that? That you've got some work that you've set your hands to, and God says, look, if you're going to commit that work to me, you know what? I'm going to step right in, and I'm going to even give you thoughts. And I'll cause your thoughts to be established. You don't have to be anxious about nothing. Amen? Even when you don't know. <laughs> have you ever been in that place of darkness where you don't know? Even in that place of darkness where you don't know, you could say, I know in whom I have believed, and he is able. You could, you could by faith believe you receive even though you don't know. I'm telling you, that's how good this stuff is. So cast every care, cast every anxiety. Commit your work unto the Lord. Commit your way unto the Lord. Give him all the burdens. And then what about people? What about situations? What about circumstances? Well, 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, Paul says, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Well, commit those kids to the Lord. Commit those the family to the Lord. Commit that situation to the Lord. Commit that and commit it all to the Lord. God wants you to be free. Amen? He wants you to be free. He's called you to liberty, not to carry any burdens. So pray those committed prayers. And number two, make a decision that you're going to, that you absolutely refuse to worry, be dismayed, or be fearful about anything. Just absolutely refuse. You say, but this and that is demanding that I be fearful, that I be anxious. It might be demanding, but you know what? I'm not going to let the circumstances and environment dictate to me. You are above only and not beneath. You're not under the circumstances. You are not under the weather. You are above. So don't let those things talk to you. Don't let those things dictate to you. Don't become defined by your environment. Don't let the environment dictate to you how you are to be, how you are to think, how you are. No, don't accept that. Say, I'm in charge. I'm a king. I rule by the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness in this life. Amen? Now, that's not arrogance. That is humility. 
That's humbling and submitting yourself to the truth of the word of God, what the word of God says, as opposed to submitting yourself to the environment and the circumstances. Amen? All right. So make that decision. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, and that's a command. For I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Number three, taking charge, getting rid of hindrances. The, Hebrew, the verse of scripture, Hebrew 4 verse 12 and 13 says the word is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than every two-edged sword. The word of God is so alive, it has penetrating power. It can divide, it can get into places even within your memory. It can get into places in your brain. It can get between the joints and, mam and, 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 and um, marrow. It can get between the spirit and the soul and the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is alive. And hear, hear what verse 13 says. It says that word... That is so sharper than any two-edged sword. Everything is naked before it. What do you mean naked? It is defenseless. People may speak word curses against you. Or you may have spoken some words against yourself that have snared you, that has entrapped you, that becomes a, a, a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you can cut all those words off. No matter where they come from. Why? How can you do that? Because the word of God is a sword and it's sharper than those other words that anyone may have ever spoken. And everything is naked before it means that those other words, your, the word of God can decapitate it. You know what capital punishment is? It can cut his head off and make those words and curses against you absolutely null and void. That is what Isaiah 54 verse 17 is talking about when it says no weapon formed against you. None. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And any town that rise up against you in judgment, you shall condemn it. You shall show it to be in the wrong. You will nullify it. And it says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. The righteousness is of me. God says, I give you the right to do that. Amen? So let people say whatever they want to say. And you may have said something you shouldn't have said. Let them do their, they want to do their curses, they want to do their voodoo, or whatever. You have got authority to chop it off by the word of the living God. For after all, Jesus, when he hung up on that cross, he became a curse for you and for me. Why? That you might be redeemed from the curse of the law and that the blessing might operate in your life. They can't curse what God has blessed. Come on. Unless you agree with them, well, don't. You've got the word of God in your mouth. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God in your mouth is like a hammer and a fire. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Your belly, your life can be satisfied with the fruit of your lips. So speak life, speak victory, speak blessing. It says in Proverbs 6 and verse 2, many times we are snared by the words of our mouth. We know we, we, we allow the environment, we allow our upbringing, we allow our history to dictate our speech. And then we say, I can't do this or I can't do this or I'm dying to get there. This makes me sick, this bugs me, right? And we talk wrong. But you see, the reason people talk wrong is because they think wrong. Amen? So what do you do? Change your thinking. To what? To the word of God. To the reality of who you are in Christ. And I'm getting off track. Well, not really. 
But, but anyway, let me get back on track. What is the point? The point is, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Everything is defenseless before it. Chop off negative environments. I remember one time being in a situation. Here I was, I was getting ready to go preach, to go teach at a Bible study, which is in the next few minutes. And I'm on the phone with someone that was close to me that is a strong suicide spirit is operating. Where, without the intervention of God, this thing could end up where you hear that person has committed suicide and died. And this is, this is the conversation that I'm having, trying to speak life and whatever and bind. And, 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 and then I had to leave that conversation and go straight. In fact, I remember my wife was there and she started a praise and worship before I even got there. And I literally came, while she's starting the praise and worship, I'm on the phone and I'm dealing with this suicide thing. And then I come off the phone and I just went straight to the pulpit and start preaching. Preaching like if nothing ever happened. He said, how could you do that? Because the word of God can chop off that negative environment. The word of God, you can use it and purposely chop off all the distractions that try to come to your mind from whatever, the environment. What am I going to cook? What am I going to put on? What am I going to wear? Hello? All right, moving right along. You see, the Bible, the word of God is teaching Jesus. It says in Hebrews 4 verse 9, this is the rest wherein I'm going to cause the weary to rest. There is a place of rest that God has for each and every one of us. We are to live in rest, not in stress. Say rest, not stress. Amen? This rest is being yoked together with Christ. Being, in other words, getting so hooked up with him. It says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, Jesus says, come on to me, all you that labor and are heavily laden, all you that are being religious-minded, and you have all these bunch of who's that you're trying to keep, all of you, whatever it is that's burdening you, he says, look, get rid of it. Come to me. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. Be yoked together with me. Learn of me. Hallelujah. Be he, Christ, is your rest. Now, I know we kind of taught from the Old Testament that somehow the rest is a Sabbath, the rest is a day. Well, Jesus is your Sabbath every day. That Sabbath day was only a type of Jesus. Now, Jesus is your Sabbath. When? Seven days a week. You live here. Say, I live here. I live in this place called rest. Rest, no stress. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm yoked together with Christ. Silence every curse, number four. Silence every accusation, whether they're coming from people or whether they're coming from the devil. Silence every judgment against you. Silence it. Shut it up. You see, many times accusations come. Oh, you little unworthy thing, and you did this wrong. And, and, it, and, and, and sometimes it might be people, but it's people yielding to the devil. Because you see, God says the devil, he has been cast down. And he can approach God. And God says, uh, so, so, don't, so don't, don't, don't accept accusations. Don't listen to condemnation. Don't receive it. Silence it. Silence it with the word of God. Silence with the truth of the word of God. Hallelujah. Now I need to just, uh, I need to just give you this a little tiny bit. Which is the issue of the law, legalism. Oh, I'm telling you, legalism is such a problem within the church today. All because many times believers, I mean, well-meaning believers, 
have not been able to rightly divide the word and they take old covenant, an old covenant mindset and try to read the New Testament from that standpoint as opposed to reading the old covenant with a new covenant mindset. Amen? When you read the old, the new covenant, the old covenant with a new covenant mindset, and then, when you, and then you see, then you will see that the rest is not a day. You'll see the rest is Christ. You will see those things in the old covenant are types and shadows that are fulfilled in Christ. Amen? You're not going to read Deuteronomy chapter 28, but says that if you obey, and if you diligently do this, and if you do this, and if you hearken to the voice of the Lord diligently, and you don't ever miss it, then, and then I will, you'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the field, you're going to be blessed there, blessed going in, come, blessed coming out. And if you miss it, you'll be cursed here. You'll, no, 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 no. You need to read Deuteronomy 28 with the blessings and the curse, and you need to read. You should read it. This is how you to read. I'm just saying this because, well, because I think God wants you to hear it. All right? So let me slow down. This is not my message, you know. This is his message. Hallelujah. Yokes. Legalism. Not rightly dividing the word. Trying to operate. Trying to put old wine into new wine skins. Doesn't work. Deuteronomy 28. We read verse 1. Now if. But it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully all his commandments. Which I command you today. That the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey, if you hearken diligently to his voice, if you keep all of his commandments. Has anyone ever done that? Could you ever do that? Well, and that means you're not going to have these blessings. And then on the other hand in verse 15, but it shall come to pass. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments. And his statues, which I command you today, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. You're going to be cursed here, cursed there, cursed everywhere. But you see, when we read the new covenant and we recognize that Jesus took the curse and the punishment for the breaking of the law, then you can look at this package and you can read. It shall come to pass. That because Jesus has diligently obeyed the voice of the Lord God, and he has observed carefully all of the commandments which has been commanded, because he has, and he did it on my behalf, all of these blessings are mine. And you can listen to the curse, and when you read all the curses, you can say, ha, I'm redeemed from that one. I'm redeemed from that one. I'm redeemed from this confusion. I'm the redeemed from this long, continuous sickness and disease. Um, and you can start reading the curses and rejoice. Because every time you read a curse, you just find out something else you're redeemed from. Amen? Are you with me? But when you don't have other understanding... Before you know it, you're functioning in self-righteousness, believing that somehow you could be good enough, not recognizing that all your righteousness is as filthy rags. That is why you have the free gift of righteousness, which is of God. You know, you read Psalms 84 and verse 11. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk 
uprightly. Oh. How can you walk uprightly perfectly? You can't. And if you could, then it would mean that there is no good thing he will withhold from you, and it's based on your conduct. But that's not what it means. Galatians 2 verse 14 says, Peter didn't, was not walking upright in the gospel. He was not walking correctly and accurately in the reality of the fact that he's been crucified and it is not Christ that liveth in him. Philippians 1 verse 27 says that we are to walk and live and have a conversation and conduct that becometh the gospel. That is consistent with the fact that you've been crucified and it is not Christ that liveth in you. And when you walk according to the gospel, the truth of the gospel, Psalms 84 verse 11 kicks in, no good thing will he withhold from them that will walk uprightly. When you name the name of Jesus, what are you saying? Jesus says, whatever the Father, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he'll give it you that your joy might be full. John chapter 16, 23 and verse 24. Whatever you shall ask the Father in my name. He says, before now, you were praying to me, but you don't have to do that anymore. The Father himself loves you. You go to the Father and you ask in my name, presenting everything that I am. You talk to the Father in my name as if you were me. And when you do that, what will happen? If the Father will do it for Jesus, he'll do it for you. See, it has nothing to do with your conduct. Now, does that mean, is that an excuse or a license for you to live in sin? No, it's not. Because if you allow yourself to go live in sin, it will create such accusation and condemnation on your conscience, and that's not good for you. Why? Because the mystery of faith lies in a pure conscience. So you do have to endeavor to walk right. But at the end of the day, the goodness and the blessings of the Lord is not because of your right conduct. It is because of what Jesus finished. In him, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen? Say amen, somebody. <laughs> this is how it is. I don't know, but you, you think on the man that will help you. So Jesus says, don't be yoked together with all of this bondage, all of this heavy weight that they've put upon you that they themselves can't even carry. He said, don't do that. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. I am your rest. I am the sacrificial lamb. I am the propitiation that has fulfilled every righteous requirement of the law on your behalf. So that in me, there is no condemnation. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, that's good enough to just get up and go home. Just that alone is enough to keep you. Amen? All right. <laughs> Where are we? Remove limitations. Oh, oh, I know where I was going to go. Well, what I was basically going to say, I'm not going to bother anymore. But in Galatians 2 verse 19, it says that you are dead to the law through the body of Christ. You are dead to the law through the body of Christ. Galatians 2 19, you can check it out. So, sorry, that was Romans 7 4. You are dead to the law through the body of Christ. And in Galatians 2 19, I'm going to show you that one though. Galatians 2 19 says, which is so interesting. Here you have Romans 7, 4. You are dead to the law through the body of Christ because of what he did. And Galatians 2, verse 9, I think this is so wonderful. Through the law, you died to the law. <laughs> by the law itself, the law, by the law, you are dead to the law that you might live unto God. What does that mean? First of all, if you're dead to something, it can't talk to you. And you, you don't have a relationship with it. Amen? What does that mean? The Amplified says, through the law, under the operation of the curse of the law, having in Christ's death for me, myself died. 
Because you see, when G, according to the law, whoever sin shall what? Die. Well, guess what? You did die. Where? In Christ. In his death. The old man was crucified and you died with him. So according to that very law, you died with Christ, so now you are dead. And so by the law, you are dead to the law, through the very law. I don't know, but you, man, that's freedom. So don't give me these Ten Commandments. It is important, yes. It, it, it relates and it shows you the heart of God and the standard of God. But those are the standard of God that the Christ that lives inside of you, that is the grace of God in you, those are the standards that Jesus has totally fulfilled. So he's the end of the law for righteousness to them that would believe. Amen? Now the righteousness of God is available to every human being. However, it only comes on those that will believe on Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Amen? All right. So, so let us also, um, so let us remember, because you see, why do we need to get rid of all of these hindrances? We need to get rid of this, these hindrances so you could be in this place of this fellowship communion with God and not have all these hindrances. So because you see, when you are in that place with him, in that quietness, in that stillness, in that unity, in that oneness, with all these hindrances, then you are able to hear. When you have these hindrances, I'm telling you, your hearing becomes dull. Your seeing becomes cloudy. And your knowing becomes distorted. But you are in fellowship, communion with God, so that you can hear that you might be able to do that you might be able to speak right. You are in this communion fellowship with God. What for? So that you can see as he see and not walk according to ob ob observances and appearances. You are in this place where you can know that you know that you know that you know. Amen? But when these hindrances are there, they block you. They block you. They mess up your hearing. They mess up your seeing. They mess up your knowing. So you got to deal with them. You aren't able to function in that full assurance of faith. Amen? All right. So, we need to break every negative, unholy agreement of any sort. Anything that is against the truth of the word of God, you need to get rid of it. Political perspectives can blind you. Oh, I'm telling you, we've just gone through a period of time here in the body of Christ where political perspective has caused such division and confusion within the body of Christ that it is, it is, it is pathetic. People are coming to the place where they can't distinguish the voice of God and they've become distracted and they've gone off to, to, to one side or the other, getting entangled with the affairs of this world. When in instead of having their minds fixed upon the things which are above and fixed on God and fixed on what is settled in heaven. Second Timothy, first Timothy chapter four. Let me show you a verse of scripture. This as it's coming up, so first Timothy chapter four says, in reading from verse one, the spirit expressly, clearly, emphatically, distinctly says that in the latter times, that's now. Some will depart from what? From the faith. From that confidence in what is finished. That confidence in, in, in the sacrifice. That confidence in, in the integrity of God. 
They will depart from that hookum, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, when you hear that, you might think that this is some outlandish um, doctrines of devils have to do with some antichrist days and that. But I'm telling you something. Just receiving the opinions of men that is contrary to the word of God is deceitful. It will deceive you. Giving it to doctrines of devils. Speaking lies. Lies is anything that is not the truth. The scripture says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, Let God be true. And what? Every man. Who is every man? Every man is every man. Every man includes you. Every man includes me. Let God be true and every man a liar that you might be justified when you, when you are judged. Which means don't take any opinion, including your own, seriously. Don't take it. Why? It will deceive you. It will blind you. It will numb you. It will cause you to, to be able to not see accurately and hear accurately so that what you hear, what you believe you heard from God is filtered. And you end up in a place of deception. When you're in a place of deception, you cannot act on the word of God accurately. And if you cannot act on the word of God accurately, as true as that word is, it will not become true in your life. Because the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. And he only confirms the truth. He doesn't, con con he doesn't confirm your, your, your twisted perspective of what you think God means. He's not, con he's not, he's not involved in that. Are you with me? He's not involved to, to confirm people's political perspectives or anything else. So you need to bind yourself to the word of God, bind yourself to God, walk in truth, and, 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 and guard your heart with all diligence. And don't allow any kind of deception of any sort to come from anywhere. Because anytime you come and you agree with stuff that is wrong, you come in an agreement into carnality. You come into an agreement just like the people in the Tower of Babel. They came in an agreement, but it was a wrong agreement. Was there power in that agreement? Yes, there was power in that agreement. God says that if they are in this place of one mind, anything that they imagine could be possible, even if it's horrible and wrong. That's the law and the power of agreement. When you recognize that, it means you cannot allow yourself to be in agreement with anything else but the truth. Amen? And when there are agreements that you have entered into, that you have spoken that are not in line with the truth, you got to go back and break those things. You got to say in the authority in the name of Jesus, by the power of the word of God, I loosen myself from every error. I loosen myself from every deception. I loosen for myself from any agreement that God doesn't agree with. Hallelujah. By the blood of the Lord Jesus, I'm separated unto God. You've got to come and take action. Why? So that you could be positioned in that place where you can operate in an accuracy. You see, it's not about balance, it's about accuracy. Amen? I don't know, I'm talking to somebody. I know I am. There is somebody that needs what I'm saying. Hallelujah, because it is the truth. So it says, okay, First Peter chapter 4, so it says, they're going to depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies, error, and, and, and hypocrisy, and having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, if you drink, keep drinking tea that is hot and hot, and it's so hot, you can so sear your tongue that it affects your taste buds. 
Amen. Well, so it is when you expose yourself to error, when you expose yourself to the opinions of men, when you expose yourself to some of the rhetoric and some of the, the nonsense that keeps coming across various airwaves, and, and when you expose yourself to the philosophies of men and the reason, when you expose yourself to that, it can literally desensitize you or sear your conscience. And when your conscience becomes seared, what happened? You see, your conscience was supposed to be a sure guide so that you can detect the witness of the Spirit of God. But when your conscience is seared, you're not able to do that. And when you're in a situation and you don't have chapter and verse, and you just got to go by, what, is the, what am I sensing? What is the Spirit of the Lord saying to me? When, you, when all you have to go with, is, 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 is my conscience bearing witness or not? And your conscience is seared, guess what? You won't be able to detect. And what happened? You'll make mistakes. Right? Hello? Does that make sense? So it says we are to fight and war a good warfare. Having a pure conscience. Amen? Oh boy, this is so... <laughs> Man, this is so removed from where I thought... We were going. But anyway, it is the truth. So, so Jesus said, so get rid of all of these limitations. Get rid of these false curse agreements that we can unknowingly enter into. You know, coming into agreement with natural perspectives and all of that and carnality without realizing it. Because when they do, they create a limitation on your life. And you want to function with a God who is saying to you, all things are possible to you if you believe. But how are you going to function in that realm of limitless possibilities? You know, the scripture says in, in Psalms 78 and, and um, verse 41, I'm not even there, but nevertheless, in Psalms 78 verse 41, talking about the children of Israel, that they limited God in the wilderness. They limited God in the wilderness. God wanted to do great and mighty things. God didn't want them circling around the wilderness for 40 years. They could have been out of there in about 11 days. But because of their unbelief, because they, they say, yes, God, yeah, we see the land is full of milk and honey. Yeah, we see the size of the grapes. And yes, we, we, we heard you said you would have given us the land, but it don't look like it. There are giants over there. There are walled cities over there. And in their eyes, we are as grasshoppers. How do they know that? Did they jump into those other people's eyes? And so their unbelief hindered God. The scripture says in, 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 in Hebrews chapter 4, and I believe verse 2, that there is a promise left for you and I to enter into his rest. However, they did not enter him because of unbelief. And we need to be warned that the promises left us, the inheritance that is rightfully ours, the blessings that are rightfully ours, all the wonderful things that the Word of God says and declares, we could come short of them, not possess them, not even taste them, if we don't mix what He has said with faith. You can limit God. Jesus in Mark chapter 6, the Bible says, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of the living God, the one that was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power and went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In his own hometown, he could there do no mighty works. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because they thought, well, who is he? 
This is the carpenter's son. We know his brother. We know his sister. Where did he get off thinking that he's this man of God doing all of these miracles? And that unbelieving attitude, that familiarity, created an environment in which Jesus, the anointed one, could not do any mighty miracles in that environment. Why? Because of their unbelief. So you see, you and I can limit God because of unbelief. Because of unbelief, then according to Hebrews 10 and verse 22, we can become short and not function in this full assurance of faith. That is why we got to deal with these things. Right? You know, that's why we got to deal with these hindrances. We can't just ignore them. Amen? You know, I remember when we were growing up, we used to have ink. Anybody used to, remember we used to have ink? I mean, with where, what was it, a fountain pen, and you used to squeeze this ink into this stuff, and then you write. And I'm telling you something. If that ink spilled, if you think you're going to take a napkin and just cover it up, it might only cover it up for, for two seconds, and then that ink comes oozing right through. <laughs> Isn't that right? Well, that's what happens when you ignore hindrances. Pretend they're not there, man. They just ooze right up. And next thing you know, you're hindered. <laughs> next thing you know, strongholds, imaginations, and high-minded things take up residence within your mind. Now you got a battle. Now you got to pull those strongholds down. Amen? Say, I've got the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. So... These things create limitations. They create, they produce strongholds, imaginations. I mean, here you are. You are believing God. You are believing that no evil shall befall you. You are believing that even if it will not come nigh you. You are believing that the law of the spirit of life in Christ, it just dominates you. And even if some COVID-19 came into contact with your body, that law of the spirit of life in Christ, it would kill it. And it would not attach itself to you. It will have to die in contact. And you are believing that. Oh, I've got scripture for that. The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells within me and he quickens and revitalizes my mortal body. And that's how you're believing. But then you go listen to Harry. And Harry said, guess what? My grandmother died of COVID. And in fact, I had a, I had a niece and she was very young. She was healthy. She was athletic. And she contracted it. And right now, she's on a ventilator. Next thing you know, you begin to wonder. You begin to wonder about the same spirit quickening your mortal body. You begin to wonder and you begin to doubt. And if you meditate on it long enough, that thing can camp out in your heart. The devil could keep reminding you and keep replaying it. Next thing you know, you got a stronghold. Next thing you know, you got imagination. Next thing you know, you've got some, some processes happening within your mind that hinders you. Are you with me? That is why these things are serious. Wrong agreements. Agreeing with the natural realm. Looking at the things that are seen as opposed to looking to that which is vertical. Looking to that which is already settled in heaven. Amen? That's why the scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Don't agree with history. That's I think we at number eight or something. Number six. Don't agree with your history. You might not have as great a wonderful history as I do. I'm joking. <laughs> 
You may have a, a history that, you know, a failure of, of where you were called names. You've got, you've got a, you've had a failure where, where, where your education, you might, your history, if your history is to determine your future, man, you wouldn't have much to hope on. Amen? Or if your future is so great, you might have confidence for the future, but for the wrong reason. So the scripture says, forget those things which are behind. Chop it off. Take authority over your history. And don't let your history define you. Any more than the environment should define you. Any more than your ethnicity should define you. Any more than your education should define you. Any more than anything from the realm of humanity should define you. You are a new creation that didn't exist before. The old you died and was crucified with Christ. And you got a new life that has begun in resurrection. All things have become you now. All things are of God. And because all things are of God and the grace of Christ is inside of you, guess what? You can now do all things through him that strengthens you. So that you're in the world, but you're not limited by the world. You're not defined by the limitations that those that are in the world are limited by. Amen? You got to recognize that. This is what getting your mind all renewed is about. Renewed to what? To the reality that you're not who you used to be. You are a new creation. All things have become new. You are to have a brand new perspective on life. You think differently. You see things differently. Everything that is in you is now of God. There is nothing inside your born-again spirit that is not of God. In your born-again spirit, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have the peace of God, the love of God, the joy of the Lord, the wisdom of God, the mind. You got it all in your spirit. So here is the reality of what re renewing your mind is all about. It's renewing your mind to the reality of the divinity that is living inside of you. Renew your mind and condition yourself to think greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not who I used to be. I am a product of the perfect sacrifice of Christ. I came right out of him. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And he's got good pathways that he has prepared and ordained for me to walk in. I do not see myself in my weaknesses. I do not see myself from the realm of humanity. For the word of God says in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, that by the blood of the Lamb, that he has redeemed you out of, say out of, out of every tongue, out of every kindred, out of every people's group, out of every cultural definition and, 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 and so on, out of all of that stuff. You're redeemed out of it. And you are now redeemed unto God. And you are made a king and a priest unto him. Galatians 3 verse 28 says. That in Christ. It's not about whether you're male or female. You're not bond or free. In Christ you are what? New creation. So this and, and this new man is created in what? Righteousness and true holiness. So the fact of the matter is, when we are talking about renewing your mind, it's getting your thinking changed and conditioning yourself to think differently, to think with the mind of Christ and be in line with the reality of who you are. Amen? You have got the treasure of God himself in your earthen vessels. Say, so God lives inside of me. He is my life. 
Hallelujah. So don't agree with your history. It's going to bind you. Don't listen and don't, um, don't, 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 don't agree with your history. Don't take the limits that come from the horizontal. But you live and you speak according to the vertical, according to what is settled in heaven. You know, there's a statement I like to make. And, and, and as I, I, I even put it here in brackets and I kind of think, do I go there? Because to say it sometimes, I, I wonder. You know, but I'm going to say it at a risk of, of uh, 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 the risk that if you don't get it, that's okay. Just throw it out. Come back at it later. But it's this. Understand this fact. When God placed you in Christ, Galatians 2 verse 12. And maybe we'll finish on this point. When God placed you in Christ so that you were crucified with him and buried with him. And then when he was resurrected, you were resurrected with him. You ascended with him and you sat at his right hand, at the Father's right hand. And you have the life of Christ in you. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lived in you. The life you live is the life of Christ. And you now have the authority of his name. The name of Jesus belongs to you. And you've got the word of God and the promises of God. Here is the thing. And all of these eight aspects of the sacrifice of Christ begins with crucifixion. Crucifixion. The old man being crucified, being dead to the law, and a series of things. But let me just say this. Every, now listen to the, the state. It's coming now. Put out your gloves. Get ready. You got to catch this. I don't know about you, but I, I, I know I, I didn't grow up in a country with baseball, but, uh, but I would imagine if I grew up in this country where, where you learn baseball and you're train, teaching your kid to play baseball, you say, come on, get your catches out. Get your gloves ready. Get ready. Get ready. I'm going to throw the ball now. Well, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Here's what it is. Crucifixion. Jesus is dead and you are in him. And everything about you came to an end. Crucifixion. Put an end to everything that was against you. Everything. Everything. Oh, man, we could stop and just preaching that. Everything that was against you. Old things have passed away. That old sin, and, 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 but I can't go there. So take it. Take it. Take it. If you can't take it, that's okay. Just leave it there and come back to it somewhere down the road. But, but you know what that means, though? It really does mean old things, old things, old things have what? Passed away. They have no more voice, no more authority. All things have become new and all things are of God. So whatever it is that might appear to be against me, I'm free from it. It doesn't have authority over me. I'll give you one more scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15. I said I was going to finish that scripture, but let me give you this one to finish here, okay? Can I? Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate your kindness. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, and, I'm, and, and, I'm, and, and verse 15, I'm going to done here. Listen to this. Second Corinthians 4, verse 15 says, All things, say all with me. All things are for your sakes. How could all things be for your sake? That grace, that grace. Having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Everything, good, bad, or ugly, everything is for your sake. 
How could everything be for your sake? So that grace might show up. And as grace shows up, thanksgiving is going to come forth. How could that be? I'll tell you how that could be. If you go back to verse 10, Paul says, Man, I've had all kinds of things happen to me. I've been in shipwreck. I've had this done. People betray me. People scandalize me. I mean, there were times I was starving. I was left dead in the lake. All kinds. He says, but look. And he says, look here. This is what I've learned. I have learned. And in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10, he says, All I always carry about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. I always live in this reality that it's no longer I, but it's Christ that liveth in me. I always live in this place that the old man is crucified and buried, and it is now the life of Christ living in me, and I'm living from the throne of God. He says, I always bear in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that the life of Christ could show up in my body. And when the life of Christ shows up in my body, he is total victory. When the life of Christ shows up in my body, even though I'm delivered to death, the life that comes out of me is a blessing to many. So because I have learned that no matter what's going on, I'm going to reckon myself dead. I am not going to count my life dear unto myself. I'll recognize that I'm crucified with Christ. And as I do that, and I make that identification, Christ that was within me, he rises up. Grace shows up. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And the grace shows up. And when the grace shows up, people get blessed. So I will rather glory in my weakness that the power of Christ might rest upon me. So that no matter what happens, no matter what the devil throws at me, all things are going to work together for good because I live here. I align myself with the purposes of God. All things work together for good for who? For everybody? No. In every situation? No. All things work together for good for them that love God. Committed. Reckon themselves dead. And all things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to purpose. When you line up with purpose, when you align yourself with the purpose of God, and the purpose of God is that, it's, is that Christ might live in you and through you. When you line up yourself with purpose, it doesn't matter what happened, it's going to work together for good. So no matter what happened, you could rejoice and be glad in everything you could give thanks, and you could know that no matter what it is, this too is for my sake, that grace might abound, and that praise and thanksgiving will abound to God. What a place to live.